Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Sunday, June 26th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 466, featuring the voice of the fans, you might say. Voice of the fans, powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. What's up, everyone? Another new edition of Celtics Beat here. And uh, this one's going to be a little bit different than what we typically do. Because last time out... We had Sean Grandy, as I always like to tell him, the longtime voice of the Boston Celtics, to kind of take us through the postmortem of the season. And I thought, you know, maybe we should do like a reaction to the draft, but honestly, what is there to react to? Or a free agency primer. Mm, There's not a whole lot that's going to happen there necessarily. So I I want us to, to kind of all work through this together. I'm Adam Kaufman, as you probably know by now. Evan Valenti, of course, is here. Seth Landman, who has been part of this show in the past, including during the playoffs, and uh, another guy who is frequently part of the group text, Corey Goodman, joining us. And and yeah, w- this is going to be kind of a let's let's all figure this out together. How we're feeling, how positive we should be, how negative we should be, and what the top concerns are going into the off season. Because for the first time in a long time, we can sit here and convincingly say, guys, Celtics are a contender. The Celtics have proven they are a contender, not just by reaching the finals, but the road that they took to get there. It certainly wasn't a fluke. People should absolutely expect them to be back in the conversation next year, whether or not they're back there in the finals or not. Who knows? That's not an easy thing to accomplish, unless I guess you have LeBron or Steph Curry. But for the most part, the Celtics have shown who they are. And everybody, everybody of note barring a trade is back. Everybody in the rotation is back. So what we have here is the six and a half roughly million dollar mid-level exception to look forward to and any potential trades and what I, this is the main topic across our text threads. The, and, and I'm sure it's what Celtics fans out there are talking about as well. What happens with the $17 million TPE that expires in July? If it's not used, will ownership spend as Wick Grosbeck has on the record said he's going to. And Brad Stevens gave a little hint the other day, day that maybe they won't. <laughs> Maybe they won't. So we're going to find out. Uh, Evan, how are you feeling right now? How do you feel about all of this? Well, the number one thing in my mentions right now is not the TPE. It's it's the Celtics need a point guard, but I'm sure we'll get that later. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Screw the DPOY. I, I, was, I was fending off people for two days, but I will continue to do so. Uh, I will keep to pounding into people's brains, but we'll get to that later. Uh, the TPE stuff, look, normally – when you have a team like this, you don't really have an opportunity for a major upgrade like like Boston has the ability to. Now, it takes two to tango, and it, and it, it takes some chicanery here and some looking around. I've been, I've, you know, I'm sure in some text threads I've mentioned just monitoring what's happening in Phoenix to maybe see if you can steal somebody. I really enjoyed uh, Ryan Bernadotti's thought about just calling about Camp Johnson to see if uh, – if they want to save the DeAndre Aiden situation in Phoenix, I would just call about him because he would be absolutely perfect for this team. I thought you were going to say Jay Crowder because everybody. Well, Jay Crowder is not bad, but I, you know, I think we've seen the Jay Crowder thing. Um, I like that he's multi-positional. He would have, you know, a much smaller role on this team. They already know what he's about, so there's, that, that's not the worst idea in the world. I don't, I don't mind that. I think they could try and go for some more upside there, but I'm not. I don't hate that. Um, but there's several TPEs they can use, and it's a matter yeah. of like, you know, find the right group of guys 
to put with this core. And you're going to have opportunities to do so. It's it's just, you know, who's actually out there that's available. I mean, it's going to be Brad and and Mike Zarin doing a lot of phone calls and, and trying to figure things out. The one thing that I question, and Seth's probably got this lined up somewhere, is what picks are they allowed to trade versus, you know, you know what guys are they bring in and are they going to absorb picks coming back like the Duncan Robinson thing he could fit into that trade exception the 17.1 million dollar one and you maybe you can get a first rounder back for that and I was kind of hopeful that would happen pre-draft so my David Roddy um <laughs> pipe dream could have come to fruition I haven't looked on Twitter are you still a David Roddy stand on yeah, Twitter? absolutely I've absolutely I should just put Grizzly stand at this point because they've drafted two of my favorite <laughs> guys in recent memory but uh you know it, Boston finding a way to be opportunistic because that is something that, you know, uh, some of these cap, you know, um, teams that have a ton of cap space. They can they can kind of provide a, a haven, so to speak, for teams that are cap strapped trying to clear. Like the Knicks are trying to clear space for Jalen Brunson. Everybody knows that. Somebody should call the Knicks and say, hey, like, we'll take X off your books, but you got to give us X, Y, and Z or whatever. So, like, trying to be the team that does that, trying to find, you know, if you're the third wheel you know, that's, that's going to be some maneuvering. And I, I understand why you know, Brad went on and said um, what he said, but at the same time, like they're going to be calling everybody. And I'm, I'm curious the panel here, if they have, if, if people have a, a specific guy in mind for some of these TPs at Seth and Corey, I don't know where you guys fall in terms of like, you know, if they could find a way, and I don't know if this is possible. I, I've heard it is, I've heard it's not like, I love the idea of Kyle Anderson, but I don't yeah. know if that's even remotely possible there because of certain things in his contract. We talked about in the group chat about the Gallinari thing, how that may or may not be possible. And I, I kind of like that idea, but I'm not quite sure where the, where the rest of the gang falls here between Corey and Seth. couple quick things, Corey, just know that, because I know you haven't been on the show before and I'm, I'm just going to assume you've listened to the show. And if you haven't, d- you know, lie to me, but yeah, you can, uh, Feel free to like, I mean, we're not going to all talk over each other, but do feel free to interrupt if you just completely object to something. No, yeah, I'll be happy to do that. So I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first. Please, I, mean, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. About it. I mean, I think, I think they will try to, to, to use the TP. I think that they, I, I mean, my guy is, is Kyle Kuzma. I think that that's Seth's guy too. I mean, I just like an athletic wing, who could be a, a legitimate scorer on the second unit, who potentially could crack that like A1 unit, you know, the last seven minutes of the playoff game that you need to win. Um, guys, you know, good four rings a bell. What's that? Game four rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, it does ring a bell. But I mean, I mean, really every game, essentially, I mean, game three, they're okay. But, you know, four through six, essentially. Um, just having that guy, the athletic wing, who could, who could spell the Jays. I mean, really, that's honestly, that's my only wish list in the offseason is to get somebody who could – you know, because I think they've got their playoff rotation. I mean, I, they've got their core guys. I mean, they're in such a good spot right now, in my opinion. This is positive, Corey. Positivity, Corey. They're in such a good spot. They've got their core. They're in great shape. Now, can they can they add to that second unit that's going to spell the Jays, um, certainly spell Rob, given his injury situation, and, you know, so that they can be really built for the fourth quarter of the playoffs? That's my issue. If they can get Kyle Kuzma or even KCP, I mean, like one of those guys, I mean, I would look into Washington, see what kind of options they have there. Now, two to tango, can they put together a package to get it done? That's a whole other thing. I think they'll try. And that's, that's, that's really all I'm hoping for an effort. So I think you, that, do you believe they're going to try or do you believe they're going to say they tried? Just to let people behind the curtain, you don't believe this $17 million TP is getting used. Me? Or he, no, no, me. He, here's yeah. how I would put it. I just like, I I'll believe it when I see it. I'm I'm like very skeptical. And what Brad's quote recently about like, what did he say exactly? Like we're not going to we, we uh, if that thing expires, we still have two other ones. I think was basically what he said. So right. like that to me sounds like it just it. What it feels like to me is a situation where there uh, there'll be a lot of like patting themselves on the back about being in the luxury tax for the first time in a while, but not but like relying not re- like believing that the average fan isn't going to quite be aware of the fact that they have a chance to go like what like uh 25 to 30 million dollars over the luxury tax like well, they could add say, like you pay more attention to like the cap ramifications and stuff than i do so if just to like paint it out for people if they use the 17 million dollar tpe and bring in a guy 
Yeah. What is the penalty? Like how much are you actually paying for that guy based on what you need to go into the tax? I believe it's a dollar for dollar tax. Like until you, like if you pay, it depends how many years you've been over the tax, how much you pay. Um, that's why going it, to the states is ridiculous because they've been doing it for so long. It's just, that's right. Yeah. Just, there's this higher than their salary cap. Yeah. But so like the, the real question, it's like the, it's a, it, the Celtics are going to have opportunities. And like, first of all, they haven't paid the tax in previous seasons. So they're not at any risk of being in the repeater tax. So to me, this feel, and, and after next year, I think we all would probably agree at this point that Al Horford will be coming back on his like full $26 yeah. million salary next year, which means at the end of next year, they're either renegotiating some new contract with Horford or he's gone and he's not going to be making that much anymore. So there's like, at the end of next year, to me, there's a significant amount of money actually coming off the books because they have all these guys under contract already. Like, and, and Tice actually has a team option in two years. So like next year could be his last year also. So uh, to me, it feels like this is the year to spend a bunch of, like they just made the finals. There's, um, there's just no reason for this not to be a year where you spend a ton of money because if it doesn't work out, if like the worst case scenario of every move you make happens next summer, you have all these opportunities to get back under the tax. Um, And so like what, what would be really just, I want them to like go out and get good players. Like I think probably to get Kuzma, you're like giving up some sort of draft capital, but like, at worst, like the, the, like at least they have to do something like the $17 million um, trade exception that they have that will expire. If they don't add a player with that, they lose the opportunity. There's no other means of adding a player of that quality. So like to go back to Evan's example, I would say like you look at the teams who are looking to shed salary, like the Knicks, for example, if the Knicks are willing to give you one of the first round picks that they just picked up to move like Alec Burks or Nerlens Noel or something like that's a, like such a low risk move that those guys come off the books after next year. And, and if, if everything goes terribly, you just package that pick that you got with the guy at the trade deadline and get like, you're not even committed in this season. So that, that to me, I, I'll just be like so disappointed if they don't, add a couple of rotation pieces um even if they're not ideal pieces it just has to be like eighth ninth tenth guys yeah. well but as it i'm curious if as evan referred to it before i think aptly so if the panel agrees with this sentiment i tweeted this out the other day and i i honestly i feel pretty strongly about it is they're not going to add uh, unfortunately <laughs> they're not going to add just to add they're going to add, you know, a piece that they feel makes sense. And what I mean by that in this, like Evan mentioned, Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson to me, like there's no chance of him coming here. And the reason for that is because he doesn't defend. He doesn't defend well. Like defense is the backbone of what got them to the finals. That's what makes like Evan brought it up before all the, the you know, we need a talk. point guard trademark of smart talk. So funny is because like he is the linchpin of, you know, he's not just the defensive player of the year, or first team, all defense. He is the linchpin. He is what, what makes all the switching. He's what makes everything work for the league's best defense, almost wire to wire throughout the year. And then into the playoffs. Can well. I, can so, I just add one thing to that? Yeah, which please. is that it's not just that he's a great, like that he's the linchpin. He's the best communicator. He's the best defender. It's, it's specifically having him at the position of point guard. It's I, like, I mean, you guys are going to be freaking mad again. So, I mean, well, I could rant about this as long as you want, but I think we should save that because well, I'm, but all, I'm, all I'm I was going to say, like, in regard to all of this as it relates to a guy like Robinson is that, oh, you man. know, you're, and I know that was just an example, but like, you're, if you're the Celtics, if you're Emay, if you're Brad, like, you're not looking to add a guy who you have to cover up on defense on the floor or is going to get exploited and and therefore is unplayable in the game's most important minutes. They're going to want, I'm not saying Derek White is the prime example here, but they're going to want another guy, ideally, obviously someone who's a wing who can give you offense and bench scoring and all the stuff that the team has talked about already, but also has to be at least playable to above average on defense. He doesn't have to be elite. He doesn't have to be, you know, all whatever team and, and, you know, excellent. He just, he has to be serviceable on defense. Otherwise they're not going to bother because they're like, not to go all the way back to like 
Isaiah Thomas and all the king in the fourth BS. But the reason that he was so good in the fourth quarter offensively is because he freaking had to be because he was giving up that many points on the other side. Kemba didn't work defensively. Like there are all these different, you know, Peyton Pritchard lost time because of, you know, and he's not even a bad defender. He's just not a great defender. So that's what this team is, you know, to me going to be looked for. So, so it, it really narrows your list of the types of guys that they would potentially be bringing in who make around that $17 million window. Well, I, yeah. I, I want to push back on that though, for a minute. I, I don't Please. necessarily think it has to be like Duncan Robinson is uh, a tough one for multiple reasons. One, uh, where's his confidence at after this last postseason run? Cause he was buried on the bench. Um, you know, if you can find a way to get like two years ago, Duncan Robinson out of him, I'm interested in that because like, as much as we want to talk about how poor his defense is, when you're surrounded by four other really good defenders, I think it's, I think it's okay. You know, if you have length and, and size, like that's where the Pritchard thing is tough because he's really short and it's not for a lack of trying. Like Peyton hustles his ass up, but it's just because he's short and get picked on at the end of games or picked on by really good point guards. Or if you have a, a, a big wing player that can, you know, facilitate your offense, uh, unfortunately, you know, Payton's going to get picked on. And if he's not shooting the lights out, it's just like, all right, well, we can't, you know, if they're going to target him and, and our offense is, isn't, you know, going full, full tilt here, we just can't afford to, to have him out there. Like, I, I think there's an argument that can be made that, you know, it, someone that isn't like, amazing defensively but it's a little bit taller and a little bit longer like yeah. I find that's okay I don't know if Duncan Robinson is the guy specifically because I don't know where his confidence is at um I, I just after watching him that last series against Miami it was like man what I mean they don't, they weren't even playing him unless they were desperate and it was like all right let's see if Duncan's got anything right now and it, like when Tyler Hero wasn't playing you know, it was like, let's see if he can recreate a little bit of the hero magic, but he just couldn't do it. So it's like one of those things where ideally, like if that person wasn't great defensively, but was either A, a knockdown shooter or B, a good one-on-one scorer slash creator, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of defense to help out the Jays either get a breather and they can control the offense for a little bit or B make life easier for the Jays when they're on the floor at the same time, because the spacing will be better and the attention can't solely be driven towards the Jays. So I, I get the point of that, but I think there should be just a little pushback on that. Cause like not everybody's going to be an all world defender. This team is loaded with them. It's amazing how they've been able to build this team. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of defense to get something else, but if it, you know, I would say if they can't create the half court and they and they're not like that knockdown shooters, then yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even entertain the idea because unless like they were some all world defensive player. So yeah, I, I need I need my guy to be representative on defense, right? I mean, it's I mean, I think I see Steph nodding. I think he agrees. I mean, I, I it's okay if he's not all world. I mean, I I am so out in Duncan Robinson. I can't even tell you. I want no part of him, and it's not just for his confidence issues because I think that they potentially have like a mini Duncan Robinson on the roster already. And Sam Hauser, I'd, ra- I'd rather Sam Hauser get some run, honestly. I'm fine with that. Fine with that. I mean, I mean, he's this. He's. I, I know he's not the same guy, but he's a reasonable facsimile if he if he could get some minutes and get some confidence. So that I, I want no part of Duncan Robinson. I mean, his defense aside, but yeah, I I think any guy. I mean, you know, like a Norman Powell, something like that, somebody who actually plays defense and, and can also shoot. I'm much more interested in one of those guys. It's an interesting question of like how big a guy has to be or how like yeah. not how not bad at defense. Like a guy I keep thinking about is Joe Ingles. Like Joe Ingles isn't like a yeah. great one-on-one defender, but he's like a pretty smart team defender. Like I think I think if a guy like knows how to play good team defense, they can fit on this Celtics team like with the with all the switching and the like the fact that Robert Williams is like a freak who can cover insane amounts of ground. It like um I, yeah, I'm, and I'm. I would also just add that I'm like equally interesting, interested in passing as I am to shooting as like a skill that we need on this team. Like, I think a lot of people were concerned about the Derek White fit, and then he like proceeded to miss a ton of shots, like not shoot the ball really well. But he actually helped the offense. Like, um, you know, like the ability to like make smart decisions and drive the ball or pass and cut, um, all that stuff matters like just as much as shooting. I think. 
So maybe yeah. when, you know, when Celtics do their part in letting Will Hardy go to the Jazz, then uh, Danny Ainge can send Joe Ingles back the other way. Well, he's not even, he's a free agent, but yeah, yeah. Well, even I mean, better. He can help maneuver it. Just help massage it. Tell him how great Boston is. Well, he also got traded to Portland last year. But yeah, oh, man, I mean. I forgot about that. <laughs> I did forget about him going to Portland. Joe Ingles, I like the idea of him, but coming off that injury, I'm not totally positive what that's going to look like. But I do like the idea of him, yeah. Just an example of someone who's like uh, like big and and, a, and a, like a decently smart defender and a good shooter, really but good not like a great mover. one-on-one defender. Excellent ball mover. So he'd be yeah. one of the connector guys. And, I just but, want to say I feel better about not remembering the trade to Portland, considering he never actually wore a Blazers uniform. Oh, yeah, no, he was hurt. That's why they traded him, yeah. <laughs> Yes, and I was, I was going to make, when I was making my point too about them being representative, I, I agree. I mean, I think what's unique about this team is, I mean, I, it's been a few weeks now, but I, I don't think the defense really ever let them down really yeah. for any long stretch of the playoffs. I mean, that team defensive concept mm-hmm. is so firm there, right? That I think you're just looking for guys who aren't just zeros on defense. They can slide in and actually play the, the team defense yeah. concept. And if you think about it in that perspective, there's just a larger pool of candidates who could help this team, right? You don't need a guy who's a terrific one-on-one defender because he doesn't need to be on this team. Right? Yeah, you just gotta not have any, like, like I wouldn't be interested in, like, Jordan Clarkson or, like, no. like if someone, like, really, like, n- like doesn't defend one-on-one and gets lost in the team situation, like that seems useless, but it's true. Like what Corey's saying about the team defense, like they struggled at times to like prevent the Warriors from scoring points, but that, that had much more to do with turning the ball over on offense than it did with their half court defense. And, and, it, had, and it had a lot to do with, uh, so I was going to say, and it had a lot to do with Golden State just being really, really good. Incredible shooters. Look yeah. at the four losses the Celtics had in the finals. 103, 104, 107, 107. It's not yeah. like they were giving up a ton of points. You would sign yeah. up for that every time. You would sign up for that. If like if I told you the in the four losses that they would score 107 points, 108 points max, you yeah. sign up for that every time yeah. because problem is they, they didn't break hundred in any of those games. Yeah, that's the problem. And that's that's the, the big discussion that we've had is like where does this Boston team actually really need? And those four losses right there should tell you exactly like they yeah. have a really good defensive team already. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. if they can add to that, great. But this this team is starving for offense. And part of that's going to be fixed by, like, trying to manage the Jays' minutes and keeping them fresh at the end of the season. That's, that's it. It's a strange offseason that I am so really at peace with this team oh because it's, it's so obvious to me, right? And I, I feel like it's obvious to them, right? You just saw them, you know, they weren't a good second-half team in the finals, for the most part, outside of game one, right? But they, yeah. you know, they, and it's just obvious. They just, though, you know, they played, you know, seven games in the previous two series and it just a lot of minutes for the Jays and they, you know, Pritchard and, you know, Grant and, you know, White, they didn't have good finals. And those guys, when, when Tatum had to play 42, 43 minutes, I mean, he just added up and you saw that there's no legs. They didn't he have any legs. 40 minutes. Well, and he, like he may highlighted, you know, he, like he'd been playing basketball since, you know, the Olympics of 2021 with like no break at all. Uh, and, and another thing too, he's playing defense. Right? That's I mean, it. Like, I, mean, there, I mean, there were games, there were games when, you know, it looked like he was sort of disengaged or wasn't playing well and all this stuff, but he's playing defense. I mean, outside mm-hmm. the possessions where he like jumps into the third row, trying to draw a foul, you know, he's getting <laughs> back and he's playing defense. He's switching. I mean, the amount of effort it must take. I mean, I'm exhausted watching them. Just the yeah. amount of effort it must take just- switching on every possession. And, you know, when you get to the finals, every possession, every possession is so critical and he's, you know, he's, he's a focal point on both ends of the floor. I mean, it's just, add, I mean, it adds up. It, to me, whenever there was close games in the fourth quarter, beyond being just generally negative and pessimistic, I was thinking, you know, this is not going to be the game that Tatum carries him in the fourth quarter. How could it be? You yeah. know, he's just, he's got to be exhausted. Well, and, and you saw it like, um, it's, I think it's interesting that him and, and Doncic were, like had their first, like, uh, well, Tatum's had long playoff runs before, but Doncic had his first long playoff run. Right. Tatum made it all the way to the finals for the first time. And like, you, like Luca went through this whole journey in these playoffs of like being a terrible defender, being shamed about being a terrible defender and like playing harder on defense. And I think when they had to play the Warriors, you saw it like start to take something out of him too. Like, um, I do think for some of these young guys, it's like the first, um, like when you go through your first like really hard playoff experience that way where yeah. you're playing both ends, it, it sort of makes sense that like that they wore down. But you also see like the the way the Celtics defense is capable of wearing down other guys like 
I mean, like Giannis kind of like did wear down by the end of that series. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's a different series if they have Middleton, but I think it like, you know, we we're going to find ourselves in this situation with this team. I think occasionally of complaining about the offense. And I think a lot of it is going to be that like, it's, it's not the kind of team where the superstars on offense get to like sit out possessions yeah. on the other end. And that's, and that makes them enjoyable, right? I mean, yeah. you see Tatum and Jalen, they're, I mean, it's an effort thing, right? I mean, there's, it's execution of the defensive end, but just so much effort. You just watch every possession, so much effort. You just wonder how they could play 40, 42 minutes. And then you see that, you know, in the last like five, six minutes of these games, they're not really playing. They're just like struggling to get down the court. So yeah. expecting them to, to, to match Curry, you know, in the fourth quarter of a, of a, of a finals or, you know, Clay, that's asking a lot, especially when they played so many minutes leading up to that series. Let's take one quick break. Want to tell our uh, our good friends here out there listening about our partners, BetOnline.ag, the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. Uh, find all the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for Major League Baseball. Of course, whole lot of season left. Red Sox playing great, by the way. What a June they're having. Already advanced for the 2022-2023 NFL season. Seth can't wait for that. Patriot plus 4,000 to win it all. The Av, uh, UMass's own Kale McCarr. Might be on the verge of a title. We'll see. Stanley Cup Finals, obviously, uh, continuing. Stanley Cup Final, no S on the end. Game six happening as this show is happening. And the Avs, minus one and a half tonight. So by the time most people listen, you'll know how that thing ended up uh, going. Celtics, plus 650 to win the championship uh, less than a year from now, which is pretty good. Kevin Durant, if he's not back with the Nets, and who doesn't want to see that thing crumble? Next odds, uh, best team for him, the Heat, plus 275. Uh, the Grizzlies plus 400, the Hawks, the Hawks plus 450, uh, the Blazers. I don't know where they are, but Damian Lillard, he's going to have to try harder with the Photoshop to make that happen. Bradley Beal, his next team, if it's not the Wizards, the Celtics, they're the favorites of plus 300. It's not going to happen, but dare to dream, folks. Bet online, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Super easy to get you started, of course. So join today. Learn why everyone is saying that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sport and games. Bet online, where the game starts. But I want to go back to, because, you know, we're, we're sort of in our own way saying the same thing about sort of what the Celtics team needs to do, what it needs to work on. Corey highlighted, like, it's not just like four idiots in a zoom, like the Celtics are well aware, like it's plain as day, you know, to every, every, what they need to work on. And Brad has talked about more playmaking and obviously more bench scoring. You've heard Ime in recent days, talk about the same thing. What I feel like is not being discussed at all publicly, at least by the team. I mean, maybe by members of the media, I'm not going to sit here and say I've, I've listened to everything, but um, I don't know where I'd rank it. I, it would be tough to call it the number one need for this team, just based on everything we've discussed about the lack of offense and needing that and giving, you know, spelling Tatum and Brown and everything. But to me, just such a, a huge need this off season. I feel like I'd love to be wrong, but I feel confident about this. I don't think one, you can depend on Robert Williams just, you know, hopefully he makes it through a season healthy, but you can't bank on it. And Al Horford is going to take a dramatic step back. I think he is going to take a dramatic step back next year. And it's not a knock on Horford, by the way, in saying this. The reason that I believe that, one, he's 36, you know, so he's a year older. He's not coming off a half season at Club Thunder where he doesn't have to do anything. You know, he just played just played a whole long year and tons of minutes, didn't miss too many games, tack on a two-month playoff run, and the most exerting, you know, physical experience he's probably ever had in his professional career, and he's doing it at the age of 35 into 36, and now he's got a shortened offseason going into the start of next year. I just don't think Horford... Like he played like he, you know, he looked like he was 30 years old most of this year. I don't think he's going to be remotely that next year. And there's only so much like Daniel Tice is fine in the regular season, but he's not a guy that I'm going to count on come the playoffs. So I feel like a big who is defensive minded. Again, I'm, I'm not concerned with what he's giving you offensively. A big who is defensive minded to me is such a glaring need for this team going into next year. But uh, I don't know. Am I on, on, I on an island with this, Seth? Can I disagree with you? Please. I hope you do, but it's how I feel. Well, I'm curious to hear what everyone has to say, but I would just say that like, um, 
that for, well, I think you're right that Tice is decent for the regular season. And and my my pro Tice, I know they didn't play him in the playoffs, and I know he's not like someone you can really rely on in the playoffs. But like, what I would say about Tice is that the advantage that you have with Tice is that he's like, um, like pretty decent at everything in a way that makes him a really useful backup for Horford. Like in Horford, there's this like combination of skills that is like that's just incredibly rare. And it is a huge reason for why the Celtics were what they were last year. But like he can do all the different things that you'd want a big man to do. He's not like great at any of them necessarily. Like he's not like top 1% at any of them, but he's decent at all of them. And Tice is the same way. Like you can, you can run all the same stuff that you run with Horford with Tice. It's not like, it's not going to be great, but like, and, and Tice has proven with the Celtics in years past that they can have like a decent regular season with him playing huge minutes. So like, I guess I would just say that like, I, the idea that you're going to add somebody, I don't, I just don't know who you're going to add. That's better than Tice. That's like, I don't understand. I don't really know where we're getting the resources to do that, to add somebody that's like capable of cracking a playoff rotation over him. So I like, I see the need for like, I'm not even saying just to, just to interject. I'm not even saying that it's like, to crack a playoff rotation ahead of Tice as much as I'm saying I'm worried about the big man depth next year. Well, it's just about I, allocating minutes, I think. Like, trying to find a way to keep Rob and Al's minutes manageable through the regular season. Like, I, and that's why when you bring up the Nerlens Noel, you know, from the Knicks, get him with one of these TPEs, like, I'm very into that because, A, I know what I'm getting in Nerlens Noel – and 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 he wouldn't replace Rob. Not excuse me, wouldn't replace Al, so to speak. But maybe he could, you know, find a way to 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 duplicate what what Rob gives you. Now he's not going to do that. Let's just get this out of the way. Rob Williams is a significantly more special player than Nerlens Noel. I'm not trying to decline on Nerlens. Just trying to hype up my guy. Oh, Rob. Rob's like a unicorn. Rob is Rob is really unbelievable. But Nerlens can give you some interior defensive presence, which I really like. Um, it would feel good to have the New England kid come back home. Uh, I would personally love that. And I think, you know, he's mature enough now at this point to know that, like, look, Nerlens, you're not going to score 20 a game. Uh, that's not who you are. We have established that, you know, I think he was with the fifth or sixth pick years ago. Like, that ship has sailed. But to, to stay in the NBA and to, to quote Jalen Rose, to keep getting them checks, like, you've got to find a way to be an impactful person. And I think I think Nerlens has that in him. Like, I – what would be really amazing, and I don't, I, I don't know what his health status is at this point. I know there's been some stories on it, but I don't think there's been any recently. Like this team is screaming for Aaron Baines so bad, but like, <laughs> I don't know where he's at. I know he had a really complicated health issue a little while yeah. back, and I hope everything's okay. And honestly, like if he's if he's fine but can't play basketball anymore, I'm okay with that. But like he would have been literally quite perfect for what they wanted to do, a guy that can really shoot a little bit, can pass a little bit, really great defense on the inside, tough as hell. I, I would have loved that idea. Tommy um, had come out of the ground if you got Aaron Baines back on this team. Oh, my goodness, man. I mean, I it's and it's not like there's not going to be some perfect guy. Like, there's not – Boston has two big men that are really hard to recreate in Al Horford and Rob Williams, okay? So you're not going to find anybody that does that kind of stuff. But if you can find guys – then give you a little bit of this, a little bit of that, so you can keep those two minutes at a manageable level. Like, because again, when you get to the playoffs, like they're probably not going to play. Like Nerlens, maybe Tice, maybe, but like we've seen Boston kind of likes going small. And if if like Grant can hit a few more shots, it makes it way viable. But like it, they just need to have another depth option for the regular season to get those guys to the postseason when they they that's and that's to me, Adam was my number two thing on my list in terms of what Boston needs to do. Now I know Seth disagreed with me on that a little bit, but I think, I think trying to keep those guys fresh has to be a huge thing. Now, if it's like, you know, they just need to play smaller and commit to small ball more then I'm like, okay, I, I understand that. And like, maybe that's where Kuzma slides in here as like a small ball four who can, who's actually a really good rebounder can stretch the floor, all that stuff. Maybe that's how they do it, but they, they need to find a way to not play those two guys as many minutes as they did this past season. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with the Aaron Baines experiments. I'm going to pass on that. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it's to me, it's clear that the second that the second need here is uh, another big. I just don't think it's that big of a need. It's, it's it's being dwarfed by 
by the uh, by another wing in my in my in my books. Because um, because I just think it's not that, it's, I, obviously we don't know what Rob's health is going to be, and he's probably going to be limited in the regular season given the wear and tear on the injured knee in the playoffs. I just think you need a body, really, just anybody. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expend a lot of money or any resources to to get that person. That's that's my view because I just think you go small. You know, I mean, I'm all about just getting better players, really. Because the, you insert better players into the. I, I don't care. I this is not an argument about positionless basketball, although maybe it is. Um, I just think they need better players, and I, I'm I, I'm not really fixed on they need a guy who's six foot eleven to to play some minutes. And even though I hate Daniel Tice and, you know, you know, Koff and Landman know this, I, you know, complain about him the entire playoffs. Actually, I yeah, do. I actually like Daniel Tice. Like I, I've been a Daniel Tice guy. And to me, I kind of agree with Seth's point. I think that for him, it's not an execution thing necessarily. I mean, it's an ability thing, right? He's just, he's just not that good anymore, right? I think you could trust him to be on the floor and do the right things most times. He's just not good. Right. So he can't play in the playoffs, but if you need him to play, you know, 10, 12 minutes a night in the regular season, uh, I'm okay with that. I just, you know, I'm really worried. In fact, you know, a few weeks ago, I was thinking I started to have a, when there was all this like post, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the season ending and all this, you know, slander about Marcus Smart, I started to get kind of concerned. Like, you know, this is, I, I was at peace really mostly, but I was a little concerned that they're going to try to deal smart and say, you know what, this is a major need. We need a big, another big. And, you know, we have, you know, we have two good point guards we like. We're going to trade, you know, the guys on a good contract and, and get a big replacement. I'm a little worried about that, that that's, they get too creative there and start thinking that way. Um, you know, because they're thinking need and, and less about the structure of the, of the team. But, you know, I'm good. I'm good with just, I'm, I'm so focused just on get that wing, get, get Kyle Kuzma and, and then, or, or just good players. It could be Luke Kennard. I mean, anybody just get good players for that second unit and then everything will fall into place, I think. Well, so let's I mean, focus on, well, I was going to say, let's focus on what, what is doable. Like hopefully all these TPs don't expire and, and something does get used, especially I think there are three or four that are in excess of $5 million. So you can bring in, you know, it's not just all these like a million and a half here, 2 million there. Like you can bring in players that can be part of your rotation, not just bodies, but you know, what we know they have is this 6.4, whatever it is, million dollar mid-level tax exception that is not going to be you know, a day one use when free agency starts, you know, in the middle of the week here, but you know, it's (laughs) after vets sort of find out there's no money for them on the market and they start to examine, all right, all these teams can offer me the same amount of money, you know, which is the best option for me. And they look at the contenders, obviously there are going to be guys that, that are interesting pieces. And, you know, there was an article and, and look, it's for you guys or anyone out there listening to judge whether you think these are even realistic or whether you want them or whatever. But, you know, an article that caught my eye from NBC sports, Boston, and uh, uh, one of the writers there, Darren Hartwell wrote uh, listed eight as, as he deemed them anyway. And I haven't gone into this to really you know, look at it, but he deemed them eight realistic options uh, that could bolster the team with that mid-level tax exception. Uh, and he listed TJ Warren, who, uh, Corey, I know you have thoughts on, uh, Otto Porter yeah. Jr., uh, switching sides, Bruce Brown, who I just feel like at 25 is going to command a lot more money than that, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Patty Mills, uh, you know, could continue to bounce around. Gary Harris, Kyle Anderson, who again is another guy I feel like would make more money than that. Um, Nick Batum, who we've heard linked to the Celtics. And I think, uh, oh, and Isaiah Hartenstein uh, was was listed here as well on the subject of bigs. So, uh, you know, whether, Seth, whether, because I know you wanted to say something too, whether it's one of those guys I just listed or somebody else who's, you know, on your mind, who do you think is a realistic fit for that money that the Celtics do actually have to spend right now? Yeah, I mean, like, so there's a few guys on that list that I don't think are like, uh, I don't see why, like, um, get, like Hartenstein's under contract with the Clippers, like they're gonna overpay. Like the the Clippers are the team that I wish like we were spending money like because they just like throw money around as an advantage, like. They, they like see their, uh, their willingness to spend money as a competitive advantage and actually use it that way. And like Mills, I just think is like a bad fit with this team defensively. But some, yes, I, I love the TJ Warren idea. I would just like to go, to briefly go back to the center thing. It's like, because there's like, so there's like three, re, four resources that we're talking about. It's like the big $17 million TPE, 
there's like a 6.9, I think at a $5.9 million TPE. And then what you're talking about is the mid-level exception. So the TPEs you can only use to bring in guys who are already under contract. And then the mid-level exception could be any free agent. So like you do have a little more freedom with that. Um, But, you know, I think like we saw last year, like, you can have a lot of like pipe dreams about what you get with that taxpayer mid-level. And then you end up with like Dennis Schroeder bogging down your offense for a bunch of months. Like but it's there's just a difference though, between that team and this team now, because now we've, this is the, now we know it's a terrible idea to get Dennis. No, 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 no. This is like, <laughs> well, now we know what their identity why did, is. Why did Patty Mills pick Brooklyn over Boston? Because Brooklyn had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving had, and, and James Harden at the time and had way more, I see what you're saying. Uh, way more street cred as an NBA Finals contender. Boston yeah. now is the team from the East that just lost in the NBA Finals. So now that destination is a little more attractive for maybe a guy trying to get one more contract and trying to – like TJ Warren – like I, I honestly don't think – I just think very highly of TJ Warren, and I think that he could probably do better than that. But let's say if you're TJ Warren, you're like, well, yeah, I'll play four games the last two years. Yeah, well, this, let's just say, like, if you're TJ Warren, like, yeah, I'll take the mid-level, I'll run the second unit for Boston when the Jays are on the bench, I'll score, like, you know, X amount of points a game, and then I'll get a look from somebody else that'll overpay for me. Like, that's the scenario that Boston is now. That's the advantageous scenario that Boston's now put themselves into because of this finals run. Now, there are other teams like this, too. Like, there's going to – like, Milwaukee's going to be – bringing people aboard. We have this really interesting PJ Tucker, like 76ers rumor going on, which I find very interesting. Um, the Lakers are always going to be there because of their LA status status and the fact that they have LeBron and all that stuff. But Boston's now in that conversation and it makes convincing someone of a TJ Warren status. Now, again, I don't know if it's going to be him, but convincing someone like that, like, yes, this is where you need to go to rehab your image to spell us and then like parlay that into a ginormous deal somewhere else. Like that's just call it is like you can do so much better than Dennis Schroeder at this point. And like Schroeder just didn't fit and they tried like hell to make it work. But like once he left and Pritchard came in, it was just like, Oh yeah, this is way better. Right. So the part where he left is enough actually. Yeah, <laughs> but like now that you're in this spot, by subtraction, you can, be, you can be a little more choosy about it. Right. You can, you can look around and say like, yeah, like, like, uh, again, I don't think Patty Mills would be good for this team. Like, I love Patty Mills, but, like, no. Like, he would be, get cooked on on defense, and then offensively, like, if he's not hitting shots, you have the same problem with Peyton Pritchard. Like, it's just – you don't want to create another problem like that. So, it's just – given their status now of finals contender versus last year coming off the year from hell, new coach, new system, like, what is this team? Now we know what they are. And – it's easier for a guy to see the path to the next contract via this, this, this mid-level exception. Yeah. I just, um, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, you know, a year ago we couldn't, you know, if we rewind it back here, we cannot be having this conversation about TJ Warren. You know, if it was <laughs> current day TJ Warren, it wouldn't even be on the table. It's on the table now for all those reasons. I've been like this, I mean, for one year, I mean, if you're about TJ Warren, certainly he can get more money than what than 6.3 this year. Absolutely. But if I was his friend, and I wish I was, I would tell him, <laughs> now listen, go to Boston. They were two games away. They play defense, you They're play defense. They're away. Yeah. They play defense, you play defense. Um, we they, they, They're looking for a guy, a uh, wing, who's going to, you know, be the sixth guy kind of, you know, be, the guy's going to lead that second unit, potentially play key minutes in the playoffs down the stretch. That's you. Um, you know, and then let's, let's revisit free agency in a year and like really, and like really, and really cash in. I mean, I just, to me, it makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just think this is sort of like a weird with his, you know, his injury history and where you know, we always come back from. It's weirdly aligned, you know, where it just kind of makes sense. Like it could work for a year. So I'm getting excited and I'll, you know, I'll be disappointed. You know, it doesn't happen, but I, it, it could, it's very real. I, I think that it does make a lot of sense. He could certainly get more than what we can offer, but we, for once, really, for the first time in a long time, we offer a really, really unique situation to free agents. Really unique. Like, hey, this is fun. Look at what just happened. This team's having fun. They're young. So, you know, take out out of it. You know, it's not like these guys are all 36, 37. Young, new coach, young coach. You know, you know, this is a good place to be, even if it's just for a year. Yeah, really? I, I mean, I 100% agree with, like, all of that. I guess, like, 
to me, it does. I, I guess the downside I would just say is that it feels a little bit like what happens with the buyout market every year where this, this, like these same conversations come up and like, it's just so rare that those guys move the needle. So like when you're talking about that, like that's why the, 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 like the resource that we have, we being the Celtics have that I want us to use is the $17.1 million or 17 million, whatever it is, dollar trade exception. Cause like, that's the piece where you can bring in somebody who's like a Truly real, impactful. yeah, yeah. It's harder, it's harder to do though. I mean, that's the thing. And when you were totally. saying earlier, well, it's Brian, not, they, but they can. I mean, like they just have to spend the money. They can do it. I mean, but you were saying earlier about Brad, and you know, you sort of doubting what he was. You know, he's sort of implying that they're not going to do it. You know, my read of that situation was that he's he's saying that you know this is up in what three weeks. I mean, I mean, it's it's a. Uh, it's a small window here to pull it together. I mean, it, it probably doesn't take that much time to pull it together, but it's about to expire, right? So, you know, there's, you know, a lot of pieces need to fall into place. You need two partners to do it. So it's more, to me, I read it as it's, don't think we didn't try if it doesn't happen, but it's, it can be challenging. That's why I think because it's expiring, I just, I would say like the, um, that like, I, that's why I laid out like the least of what they need to do. Like, like the thing where you just take on like a, a mediocre player who someone is trying to get off their books, just so you keep that salary slot as like a thing. If, if you get to the trade deadline and you need a piece to add, right. you don't have to trade one of your really good players. You can cobble together a bunch of players who aren't good. And that's why I sort of like those Knicks, like the guys, the Knicks are trying to get rid of. I, it's not that I love those guys as players. It's like, if if it doesn't work out, you either have the salary slot to move in a trade or you just use the draft pick that came right. with those guys to unload them again then. Well, and the, if I'm not mistaken, the next two largest TPEs that they have expire at the trade deadline. So it's not, even like right. they, it's not even like they need to be sort of focused on a million different things right now. Like the yeah. singular focus, other than I guess, again, the mid-level, the singular focus is that TPE. Like, that's what you're working on right now. And there is, you know, I hadn't even really thought about that. But what, you know, Seth has brought up a couple of times, the if, if you're willing to spend just to absorb that salary, one thing, one, it's a conversation we've had many times in recent years um, about it. Like, it was never really the case, and it still isn't the case, other than, like, maybe Al Horford. Again, no offense to Al if he's out there not listening. But the, uh, like, there's, they don't have a bad contract. You know what I mean? Like they don't have just a, like a really kind of ugly, but perfectly tradable contract. And that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that really can help you down the line that, that they've needed. I mean, for a long time, they didn't even have like a a contract that was in the middle ground. You know, they had like like Marcus Smart making like 12 million and then it was someone else making, you know, 20 to, to 35 or whatever, depending on, you know, whether we're talking about Kyrie or Gordon or whatever, Al obviously, but there was no like something in that 18, 19 range that you were willing or even able to part with. So it would be good to have something like that. That is, that is good for business. Yeah. That's it's, it's, and I like Seth's point. It's like, if you just, you need contracts made to add up to another contract at the trade deadline. Some of those guys will make five, six, seven million if you can get them. And like to to point this out, like they don't have to use all the 17 million, by the way. They can up to that 17 million. So, well, and like imagine a scenario like, you know, there's the rumors going around about what's going on with Durant right now, which like, you know, nobody thought Durant was going to be available. And now, like, every team in the league is probably cobbling together like potential trade packages just in case this happens, right? Like you just never know what's going to happen. And right now, if, if some, if someone they wanted became available, they would have to either trade, like the only way to put a trade together is to include like smart or white, basically, um, or Rob Williams or like in the trade package. Um, And so I don't know, it would just be nice to have another contract. Yeah. Like, and and, just for uh, giggles, what would you be willing to give up for Kevin Durant? (laughs) <laughs> okay well so it's there's a basketball question here and an emotional question <laughs> and the like uh, about the, ba- the basketball question is really the one that it happens. would make sense to give up like a bunch of like Jalen and a bunch of stuff basketball as it would bring us closer to a championship I would be absolutely miserable if they did that I don't want to win that way it would not be fun to root for that team it would ruin the experience of like what we just went through watching these guys like build up that way, but like on a purely basketball calculus level, it would make total sense to do it. And if Ainge was still the GM, I would think they would. 
it would it would it would ruin the regular season because yeah. they're just managing his minutes. He'd be out for three weeks. I mean, the whole thing yeah. would be just like, okay, wait for the playoffs. It doesn't matter. It'd be what happened with Brooklyn. You know, it doesn't matter if we're a six seed or a seven seed. Hey, we'll, we'll be fine in the playoffs. Like, I, I, I want no part of that. Yep. You know, basketball or emotionally. I know how good he is. I don't want him. I just, <laughs> yeah, I don't want him. I, I, I'd much rather have Jalen because I like him. I want, you know, he's homegrown and I want to root for him. So, same. We, we've all invested too much time rooting for Jalen Brown. Yeah. So it's yeah, like, love the man. Yeah. I love Jalen and I love his game. Like, he's gotten better every year and like, Yes, like if you if Brooklyn came to you, it's like, hey, we'll take Jalen Flyer and picks for KD. It's like, geez, I have to really, I have to like really have it like a real conversation with myself in terms of like, man, do I have the? Because again, it would bring you closer to a title, no question. The problem is you would sacrifice long term potential with Jalen and Jason um, for the immediate short term of having. You know, two of the best wing scorers in the NBA. At the same I'd, I'd be, I'd be sacrificing my emotional health. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like I, I was just like I'm getting emotional thinking about it. I remember when he was a rookie, and my brother said he's he was terrible. And I was like, you know, he can't shoot. I'm like, look at his shot though; it's not broken, right? He's he's got. Yeah. It, look, it looks like he's going to be a shooter. Like he's got, he's got just just stick with him. He's got potential there. I'm I'm way too invested in him. Yeah. He, he so, can't go. He can't go. It's so, unbelievable uh, that none of us are like, yeah, like we would do this in a heartbeat. Well, so I was just going to say, so Meg, Megan's our intern. So Megan, uh, if, if you're cutting up the, uh, the, like the shorty for YouTube, just, you know, title it like Kevin Durant to Celtics. No, thanks. Four, <laughs> four <laughs> idiots say no. <laughs> that, that, that ought to do well with the uh, engagement. <laughs> uh, so we've been going for just about an hour, I think. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys what I never ask, uh, which is just, do you have anything to add? As, as you come down from kind of the emotions of last year and look ahead, obviously, to to what's going to be. I mean, honestly, like barring a, a trade in the use of that $17 million trade exception, what's going to be a pretty boring offseason for the first time in, in really a, a quite a while. What, you know, where's your head at? I got two takes that I can unload them pretty quick. Sure. First take is the one that we've exhausted throughout this entire week. And it's the, the people that believe that finding a point guard for the Boston Celtics is going to cure all their problems. I have to just, I want to, the, the, my favorite part about this whole interaction has been, okay, name me the point guard you would like to have. And it's always Chris Paul. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, like, sure. If you could add Chris Paul to this team, or uh, what's the other one uh, that everybody likes to put that likes, oh, DeJounte Murray. Like, we didn't talk about DeJounte Murray at all. And I love DeJounte Murray. I just don't see that as like kind of feasible. I think that, I think the Spurs should keep DeJounte Murray. <laughs> like I just would build around that. So I don't really find that as a viable solution. Um, people are throwing Rubio at me and I'm like, no, Rubio, uh, the, the ship has sailed on Rubio. I, I, the idea of Rubio was wonderful, but the actual Rubio itself, there's no point guard out there. That like does the Malcolm Brogdon is not as good as Marcus Smart, sorry, and is hurt way more. Um, the guys that people offer to me as explanations are bad, and this comes back to a thing that Seth talked about earlier. In I think I think we've all maybe spoken on this, but I know Seth is, and I have talked about this. <laughs> if you if you take Marcus Smart out of the point guard position, you automatically devalue your team. Because it's what Marcus Marcus Smart not might might not be a point guard, but he guards point guards and he allows you to guard up and guard down on the entire roster. Marcus did an amazing job against Giannis guys. Like for a guy that's six foot whatever, the fact that he can hold his own against Giannis is amazing. He's never afraid to mix up with bigger guys. And the thing that blows my mind more than anything else is the fact that people can't see that Point Tatum is the future. Like LeBron James never happened. Like Kevin Durant's never happening. Like Giannis isn't doing the same thing. Like Luka's not doing the same thing. Like James Harden and, and, and Houston do the same. Like if you if you can find – and like everybody's like, well, too many turnovers. Like, yeah, because Jason Tatum's 24 years old and you up against like the top three defenses in the NBA all in a row. And it's the first time you ever did that. So I would prefer if you – gave the ball to Jason Tatum and let him play big point guard and survey the floor versus finding a distributing point guard when your biggest problem is scoring more points in the half court. Like it's not about ball distribution. They have guys that can do that. It's about half court offense and getting a ball distributed point guard is not the answer for that. And I fought people all week. It drove me nuts. And I just, 
I'm pleading with you guys. I wish you were more passionate about this, Evan. <laughs> so I had 200. I've never had more interaction on a tweet in my entire life. I had 220 people reply to me or 220 replies to that particular tweet. And the fact that the majority of them did not get where I was coming from drove me through a wall. And I just need people to understand that, like, Point Tatum is where this team needs to go. This team needs to be built around that to maximize itself. And once you realize that and that this team is more about staying big defensively with all the guys on the floor at the same time, you'll maybe you'll finally catch up. But it drove me nuts the last two days of the week. I could not believe people didn't get that. Corey. Corey, you want to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I but like you would think, you would think, like in this video, like there's going to be comments <laughs> that think I'm an idiot, and I'm just here to tell you I'm not. And I, if you just watch the highlights of like big point forwards, you'll understand where I'm coming from. It's not about a guy that can get everybody into the offense and get Jason and Jalen easier shots. Guys, whatever, they don't need a point guard. They just not what it's JD about. Davison anyway. What? I, I said they just drafted J.D. Davison. They don't need a point guard. That's my He's second hot take. Guys. That's my second hot take. My second hot take is that the Celtics just draft Dennis Smith Jr. at 53. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're right. Because. Do you? I, I watch him, and <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying he's Dennis Smith Jr., but, like, if he had Dennis Smith Jr.'s career, getting that at 53 is not bad. I like the upside. He's working with lethal shooters, so he's going to get better at that. He needs way way more seasoning at being an actual point guard, but he's explosive as hell. And that's fun. And to get that sort of trade at 53 isn't bad. And, and the hair I'm, still, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over the David Roddy thing, uh, but I'll get, there. <laughs> I'll get there. I thought JD Davidson was Gerald green. That's what I thought. That's what I thought it was <laughs> part two, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, we'll find out. So I forgot. So you, when you, after hearing you, Evan, I forgot that there will be comments to this. So this is, I mean, the the Marcus this I feel like the Marcus Smart like deniers like it's like the QAnon people like it's, it's just ridiculous. like you can't really speak to them <laughs> like and, like we've talked about this you know over text and it's just, I just I don't like I really don't understand it it's like almost like a sociology experiment like like with this one human being people cannot understand that he is imperfect right why can't he be a good basketball player good point guard average why can't you just be a good basketball player and be imperfect like do we do that with any other player i mean i, I don't understand it they we, we we were i was i was at coffin's house for the for game six and at some point during the game when they were getting killed in the third quarter and i looked down and said marcus smart has not attempted a three yet like what will people complain about he has not attempted a three in this game and they're losing by 17 points like it is just amazing to the point that i just i think you just have to tune them out like he's a very good basketball player He's a very yeah, I guess it is. He's all a very right. good basketball player, right? He's imperfect and he's very good, just like really all of them. He's kind and of he's, he's part of like a larger team structure and he's very valuable. Why can't we just leave it at that? He's on a good contract. Like it's just it's just the whole thing is just dumb. It really is dumb. It doesn't matter what position he played. You're right. Point Tatum is the future. It just he's just a good basketball player and you want good basketball players on the floor. Can't it be that simple? Like why can't it be that simple? He's a good basketball player, he's, and he's a tremendous defender. He's not just a good basketball player; he is an all-world defender. So, mm-hmm. what is the point? Because he's because he's not a great three-point shooter. I mean, I just it just it's, it's maddening. People and it's maddening that Celtics fans feel this way about this guy who is literally throwing his ball all over the court every night. Like it just yeah, it's one might even argue they're not Celtics fans. Like you know, <laughs> are they, like are these people? I don't know. I just have always had this theory that like if you have decided that you're against Marcus Smart, I just would like bet my life that you're not watching these games. Like I think it's just, I think it's I think there is I think there are Celtics fans, maybe they're not really good basketball fans. I think there's just a misconception about what it takes to be a good player. Like yeah. how you bring value to a team, right? And I think that in 2022 if you're not shooting, you know, 44% from 3, you suck. Right? Well, I mean, we don't, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, uh, especially in the interest of time, but I mean, look like look at the the first go around for Al Horford, like most people, I, I won't say most people. Well, you know what? Screw it. Most people like didn't get it. <laughs> most people were like, this guy stinks. Cause he doesn't average 20 and 10. It's yep. like, are, are you aware of who they just signed? Because he's never averaged 20 and 10. Like it's never, it's never, it's, that's never been his game ever. Yeah. 
the reason why why it bothers me to this extent is that yes, if you're if the Celtics are an average team, they're not playing meaningful games in the playoffs, and you're judging, you're you're basing your opinion on like a Tuesday night game against the Hawks, then fine, right? You know, but you're talking about if you're in the playoffs, everyone's watching all these critical possessions. You, you know, you're seeing it analyzed every day. Like you know what the value is. Don't freak out when this guy has a bad shooting night. Like it's just like and, and then devalue everything else he does. And say he needs to be traded. I mean, I, every time I see an article that says, you know, what should the Celtics do a point guard this year or next year, I lose my mind. Like, what are we doing? Like, it really doing? is. It really is kind of amazing when you think about like all these years where we had all these other smaller point guards, yeah. and he and he was like forced into all, and and he was like game for all these different roles, right? Like he played shooting guard, he played backup point guard, he like. He guarded power forward sometimes. He like did all this different stuff. And over and over again, you look up the numbers with him at point guard versus him at shooting guard, and they're better every year. And then the first year we actually like really let him sink his teeth into full time point guard, we go to the finals. It really is just kind of like amazing. Yeah. You, can't, you, can't, you can't blame. I mean, he had a couple tough stretches in the finals, but I, sure. I can't think of any game and say, I mean, there was that one game where we kind of debated it, where he took the two threes, you know, they missed the three. They, you know, yeah. they, they off the re- I can't think of really any of the spot where I was like, oh, wow, Marcus Smart really lost you that game. I mean, there were high turnover games, but they were high turnover games for the team. They're all throwing the ball over the place. Yeah, right? it's him. So like, we, yeah, I mean, more we, often we, than we, not, it was the Jays. Right. All they did well, but more often than not, the Jays have like, I don't know what the percentage is, but what, 40% of your turnovers? Like, pretty damn that. close to it. More than that. I, and it's just because they're inexperienced at doing that kind of stuff. Like, Jason Tatum has never done that. Like, And that's what bothers me. It's like, you guys don't even watch the game. It's like, Tatum is doing an amazing job navigating double teams like this on this stage for the first time in his career. And you guys don't want him to do this anymore? Like, what... What do you? What world are you on? Like Jason Tatum's going to have the ball in his hands at the end of games. That's what you want. You want him making the decision. It reminds me of that LeBron James pass to Kyle Korver in the corner that everybody gave him flack for because he didn't take the shot. But guess what? That was the right play then. Still is the right play now. You want a guy like that controlling the the tempo of the game. And then Kyrie comes down the next possession, jacks up a shot way too early, awful shot. Everybody criticized Kyrie for that too. But mm. it's like. The idea of of Point Tatum getting more experience and getting more comfortable doing that is going to be how this team takes the like. Giannis is terrifying for a multitude of reasons, but the most you know the 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 hardest version of the Bucks to guard is when Giannis is spraying the ball all over the floor and everybody else is killing you because you know Giannis is going to drop forty five. It's about everybody else getting good looks, and when they're all getting good looks. You're going to lose. Yeah. And then the narrative, you know, the, the immediate aftermath about, you know, is Tatum ready? You know, this was his chance. Is he ready? You know, he's been to so many other East Conference finals. I think if anyone's really paying attention, this is really the one year where the everyone's defense was focused on him, right? Like he, he didn't have to deal with this, you know, three, four years ago. Everyone's focused on him. You know, he played reasonably well considering. I mean, it wasn't, you know, you know, he, there were a lot he of wasn't good. In the, he wasn't good in the finals. He had a great yeah, playoff run overall, but he was not good in the finals. But he had his moments where, yeah, he wasn't good in the finals, but he had his moments where he made the right play and he made up, you know, an amazing pass and made the right play. And Stan Van Gundy says, oh, he's doing, he's doing the right thing. You know, and also they made it to the finals. Yeah. yeah. No, look, I'm not, I, when I say that, I'm not like condemning Tatum. I'm simply yeah. saying, like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy was human. Like, I'm it, saying it, it happens. All I'm saying is that, like, yes, he's, 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 he's been the Instagram final several times, but this is to me, this is like their first year, like where he's a superstar. They're treating him like a superstar. What was the first year that he was the number one option? Right. And the expectation that you can just adjust, you know, like, okay, well, they did this to me in game two. So I'm going to do something completely different in game three. I just don't think it works that way. Right. I think that he got some really good experience. And I think, I think we all kind of agree he is a superstar, right? He's. I think you'll see, you know, they'll be back in the playoffs next year and he'll be playing better. He'll play better and he'll make you know, smart decisions and the turtles will be cut down. If that, that's the trajectory of these superstars, right? Like, that's where he's at. He's, what, 24? I mean, so right. um, it makes sense to me. So, I mean, and for those reasons, I think that, you know, they're, I mean, this is a good team to, a fun team to root for because they're yeah. only going to get better. Can I, I add one little? I, I do want to amend that before people call me out because last year, obviously, like, when I say last year, I mean the year before, the bubble. you know, like the bubble. No, 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 not the bubble year. Like the, the right. When they the played Miami in the conference. Fun. Yeah. yeah. No, but that bubble. was two years ago. I'm bubble. saying, I'm saying, no, but I'm saying 
last season. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, last, so not this year, but the year before. Yeah. Um, 36 and 36. Argue, yeah, Tatum was certainly like the number one option that year. So I guess to uh, to amend my statement, what I meant when I said that was like, you know, it was Tatum and it was Brown and Kemba. And like, this was the first year, and Evan and I have talked about it ad nauseum throughout the season. This was the first year that it was like, this like this is Jason Tatum's team, or this is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's team. But like, you know, the, all eyes on those two and Tatum in particular you know, for the first time, uh, in, you know, more than ever anyway, but, uh, yeah. Landman, did you have anything? Well, yeah, I just took like, it seems like we're all talking about like what we hope, like kind of what we hope they learned, like, or like how Tatum is going to improve in the future. And I would just say, like, I think one of the things I found myself thinking about before the finals started was that I was really glad we were playing the warriors because like losing, I thought like losing to Dallas wouldn't teach you much of anything. It's just going to teach you that you got like torched by one dude basically, but losing to the Warriors means you like you had to deal with the Warriors for six games. And like the the fact that like what makes them click is this sort of like improvisational genius that they have that you can't like you can, the Celtics played great defense, but like the Warriors just grind you down by moving the ball really smartly and unpredictably. And like, by being improvisationally great. And what I hope the Celtics learn is that like yeah, Tatum did become a like way better passer this year, but it does feel like th- that things got a little like a little too set or a little too like predictable. Like they're going through certain reads or they have certain things they're looking for. And I, what I'm hoping is that they like, they pay a little more attention to like moving in unpredictable ways and just keeping the ball moving because that's like, that's the magic of the Warriors. That the ball just never stops moving. Yeah, and they have the right players for that. Yeah, so I'm like, to me, like it's just the perfect team to lose to in the finals because it's like you saw what beat you, and hopefully you begin to incorporate that into your game. Well, I hope everyone got something out of this. If nothing else, the uh, the, the the four of us as as sort of a group therapy session. Uh, I do think. Um, and this is not like ego talking or whatever. I just think that a lot of what we said, I think is pretty mainstream to how a lot of fans out there are feeling. I hope. Um, and, uh, excuse me, if, uh, if Brad Stevens and are Mike getting all choked and, up, yeah, I'm, I'm a little emotional about the loss still. Yes. Uh, but if, uh, if, if Zern and, and, uh, Austin Brown, all you guys are out there listening, um, you know, just, just, you know, to, to like our two cents. Just take it for what it's worth. Uh, we're, we're really looking forward to the next year. Short offseason, free agency coming, all that good stuff. Uh, again, the show powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. So, uh, yeah, for, uh, for Seth Landman on before, Corey Goodman on for the first time. Shout out your Twitter handles real quick, by the way. Oh, uh, Slanman33. Slanman S Landman 33. There you go, Corey. Hey, I am. I don't know what I am. He's looking it up quick. He doesn't at, even know. At, at Corey P. Goodman. C O R E Y. All right. You know where to find Evan and I. You've been nonstop finding Evan talking about Marcus Smart for days. All right. On to next week. Maybe some free agency news to react to at that point. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.